Hello, and welcome to Light Above Solitude, a podcast for the multifaceted soul currently in search of that special spark. I'm your host, Kalia. Light Above Solitude illuminates your path to self-discovery and growth on a soul level through mindset, holistic health, intentional living, and the exploration of elements and tools used in modern spirituality. This podcast is for the woman who doesn't feel completely safe to be authentic. I am here to tell you, you were born to stand out. I am ready to guide you out of solitude and into the light of hope, love, and freedom. I'm here to share stories and lessons learned on my journey from the dark side of depression into the light of alignment. I will also invite guests to chat on their expertise along the way, so make sure you stay connected at lightabovesolitude.com. All right, time to get lit. Hey, hey, hey! Hello and welcome to another week here at Light Above Solitude and welcome to April. Uh, I hope you had a lovely, lovely week and you enjoyed last week's episode where I chatted about three easy ways to add some mindfulness moments to your day. Let me know what you thought. Hit me up on IG. I'm at KaliaVQ, K-A-L-I-A-V-Q, or uh, leave me a voicemail at lightabovesolitude.com. I am super excited about today's guest. Letitia and I met in our tarot circle hosted by the Sarah Galactica, who was featured on this podcast in episode 24. If you have not listened to that episode yet, go ahead and check it out after this one. I will leave the link in the show notes below. I asked Letitia to come to the show because I have been fascinated with how much wisdom this woman holds. Her expertise lies in plants and earthy goodness. So today, Letitia is here to talk to us about how to strengthen and reconnect with the earth through plants. Letitia Guthrie is a writer, hearth keeper, and plant lady who wants to live in a world where stories are sacred and the homemade is holy. Letitia has taught folks herb crafting, rewilding, and kitchen witchery as tools for creating joy and connection for over 10 years. She is also the author of the best-selling Herb Crafters Tarot deck published by U.S. Games, Inc. When she is not writing, you can find her mixing potions, relearning geometry with her homeschooled kiddos, or foraging for snacks on her family homestead where they are building an enchanted food forest and urban living sanctuary in the Pacific Northwest. Please help me in welcoming Letitia to the show today. Hi, Letitia. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so, so excited about our chat because first off, it's springtime now, which I'm super excited about. So I've had this like obsession about going outside. Like we we're saying earlier, I was outside with the pups and I just like want to stay out there because it's so nice. But also I've really wanted to start learning about plants and how they really do enrich our lives. And I have no idea where to start with any of that. And you're not only in our neck of the woods, which is amazing. So you're working with plants that I might actually be able to recognize and find, but you also are just a wealth of knowledge and wisdom. And I'm so excited that you're here today. Oh, thank you. I'm nervous, but excited. I love talking about plants. So. Any, any chance I get to do that, even when my voice shakes, I will. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, it's very casual here. You're just talking to me. No big deal. <laughs> <laughs> 
So how about you start off by telling us a little bit about how you started this relationship with plants? Like, was this like a thing as a child or did this start earlier or later on in life? How did this become your world? Uh, I'm, I grew up pretty earthy. My parents are kind of, you know, sort of like dipping their toes in the world of hippie in and out, you know, so we were sort of like dirty kids and always kind of did some kind of herbal remedy type stuff. And, you know, my dad had a, oh my goodness. This is a reminder. <laughs> <Go>. <laughs> it's okay. I guess I missed Set one. Clearly <laughs> not completely hippie. We love our technology. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. So he was always growing gardens and things like that. And then my grandma um, is my mom, and my grandma are Mexican. And so there was no shortage of little witchery things that we were always doing, but it wasn't ever a thing until I got pregnant for the first time. And at the same time, my aunt went to herb school. And so she would come over with all of her books and all of her stuff. And we would just like learn together and play together. And oh, so cool! it was an interesting thing, like how, you know, when I was a kid, I was sort of raised this way, but then I went out and lived in the city and did my own thing. And then being a mother, knowing that I was going to become a mother, like kind of shifted things for me. It just turned like, oh, wait a minute, maybe I should care a little bit more about my health and, and what I'm putting in my body. And, and then, oh yeah, I already know how to do this. And then through her training, I didn't have to go to school. She was just like really eager and excited. And so I got to sort of learn side by side with her in Arizona and the the herb scene there is really cool and super welcoming and inviting and so I just kind of like went in head first and did a ton of workshops and um you know everything that I could that I where I didn't have to go to school because <laughs> I already <laughs> yeah. had a college degree and it was all done with that um and I just got to learn from a lot of really great um I hate to call them masters of herbalism because that it just seems like a weird thing to apply to this kind of base of knowledge but you know, folks have been doing their craft for a long time. I got to sit at their feet and go walk in the desert with them. And I, I couldn't, you know, I haven't looked back since. Oh man, that's amazing. Yeah. What an experience, especially going to Arizona and like, I can only imagine how many various plants you are knowledgeable around just like the two between Washington and Arizona there's like a vast difference right I did go to Arizona um it was actually technically my honeymoon um we were supposed to go to Cabo and there was a hurricane so we had to choose really quickly another warm spot and it ended up in Arizona and I was floored at how you know everything seems dead Everything mm-hmm. kind of looks dead. But then when you look closer, it's like this different type of life Says I'm so used to green and lush and like, just, yeah, the atmosphere is so much different. So it that's, is. That's yeah. really cool. It is. If people think, yeah, it's easy to think that there's not very much going on there and the plants just have to fight harder for our attention, I think. So it is yeah. a whole different host of medicine. I'm so grateful that I got to cut my teeth on that landscape. I grew up in Washington. So this is like home base for me and coming back here to reintroduce myself was like, it was a homecoming in a whole new way because I had never looked at the landscape in that way, Mm. you know, from a foraging and medicinal perspective, but I'm really glad that I got to do it kind of like in a foreign, um, you know, earth that wasn't something that was familiar because it really tuned my awareness 
in ways that I'm not sure I could have if I had started, you know, in the place that I always knew. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So cool. So I wanted to touch on something real quick in your bio, you um, said that you teach on rewilding. Yeah. This term seems super intriguing and magnetic to me. And I would like you to provide um, the listeners and I like what your definition of rewilding is. I think it just, for me, it means going back to our relationship with the land, you know, remembering that we, we don't go to nature. We are also nature Mm. and that the, the preservation of the land is linked to the preservation of ourselves and the, the wildness that we may see like on the trail is within us and to be able to access that again, um, I think is, is a key to, the understanding of the self and also to be in relation and community. I think the wild nature can give us a lot of clues to things that maybe we're missing in our modern life. And basically it's like paying attention to the cycles and the seasons and how nature works together to accomplish a greater goal um, and, and the abundance, right? Like how much is, is there that can be, that can provide for us in all of the many ways and, um, not like I'm, I work in the world, you know, my husband has a straight job and obviously my Alexa went off. So, you know, (laughs) we're not afraid of technology, but we're definitely, um, I think that it's, it's like a side dish, right. And living our lives in tune with the seasons and paying attention to what's happening in the natural world so much so that it's like, it becomes you, even though it already is you, right. But it becomes you. And so, um, I think that's the basic of it. You know, I can go into like foraging, I think is really cool. And I think super easy, anybody can do it. Um, and making herbal medicines and all of that stuff too. But even that aside, just having an awareness of what's happening on the planet in your, in your tiny little biosphere at that moment in time, it is the basic sort of beginning of rewilding for me. Mm, I love that. I I have been forcing myself to start noticing more. Like we have a tree. If I open that window back there, <laughs> we have um this kind of like cherry blossom tree. And I was so excited to watch it bloom, like just one little thing here and there. And now it's like totally pink and gorgeous, but like making myself really pay attention to like the timing of, hey, you have one little bloom now and now you have two. And now this branch is full. Like it it is a it is a different sort of practice when you have to, um, I don't know how I have this feeling, but I don't know how to express this, like slowing down. Um, Mm -hmm. it seemed different timing this year, watching it as it's happening versus just looking out my window one day and poof, it's pink. Right. And then I'm like, wow, how did that happen? Like, it's this, this different connection where you have to slow down enough to watch it bloom. Otherwise it's just, it's just there. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Um, you do teach on the art of noticing. Is that kind of like what we're touching on or is that something different? Yeah. It's just, it's kind of like this sort of um, I'm a writer, you know, so it's this kind of lyrical way that I describe my creative process and it's about tuning your senses really like, you know, teaching people how to hyper-focus into what they're seeing and smelling and touching and hearing, you know, um, some of my favorite workshops are like to take people on a listening walk 
you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, you can go around and see the big, the cherry blossoms and things like that. But what if you were to say, okay, I'm going to see with my ears. And, and as you walk, the way that your earth touches the ground is going to feel different. And what you hear rustling in the trees or in the bushes and that tuning further enhances this experience of rewilding. And it's really just all about connection, like bringing us back into connection with nature, which is ourselves, right? With our true nature. And so the, the art of noticing for me takes this ability that we all have, the ability that humans, you know, have survived on for centuries that we don't necessarily use very much anymore because we have other tools now. Um, but it takes, takes back that, that knowing that we have and tunes it so that when you are out there, not only are you able to like experience wonder and awe in ways that I think are really profound if we, you know, stop, like you said, and and slowly let ourselves experience them, but also in ways that can open ourselves up and help, you know, navigate some of those things that we, you know, the personal stuff, like your, you know, the soul work that you're going through or hard times that you're having or traumas that you need to work through. I find that when people learn to express themselves in a sensorial type of way in relation to nature, it can open up so much knowing. And that's what the art of noticing does for me. And it's really just those simple five senses, you know, pay attention, fun little exercises, a lot of them drawn from Coyote School, which is like a nature-based children's education program. But the funny thing about that with kids is like, they're so good at it. (laughs) We have all these great programs for kids, but they're kind of already good at it. And so to go back into those um, nature-based type of activities to help people remember that they have ears on their walk too, (laughs) you know, and a nose and, and those things tell us something about the natural world, which in turn tell us something about ourselves. Oh my gosh. So beautiful. And it's true. Like, Uh, that is one thing that I have been noticing in this past year that I had all these powers and senses and feelings within me as a child that I've forgot or suppressed or just like, you know, I don't need that now because I have technology and I'm adult and I don't need to be playing in the woods, quote unquote, right? right? (laughs) All these things. And it's like, why, why, why did I get rid of those things? Those things are very important. And now I am, I'm trying to like relearn how to connect that way. Um, what would be your first step on that reconnection part? Is it the noticing? Yeah, absolutely. I think taking sensory walks is a really good way to begin. Um, it's, you know, you obviously, you know, you take your dogs for walks all the time, right? And that's, that's a practice you already do. And even if you don't have, you know, pets that you're walking, just taking your walk intentionally by focusing on one of your sensory areas can really hyper, um, it can just fine tune it. Right. And so when we think about people who are unable to see or people who are unable to hear science tells us that their other sentences are enhanced. Right. Mm -hmm. And so they have, they have them more because the body compensates, but that doesn't, all that tells us that is that is actually already wired into us. Right. And so Mm, all, all we have to do is intentionally access it. And I feel like that will, that will create the path, you know, so go, take yourself on a listening walk or go out one day with just the intention to touch everything that you come across, you know, maybe safely, <laughs> you know, there are some things that no stinging nettles. <laughs> yeah, that could end up the wrong way, but 
you know, there most things are benign. And if you're in a safe environment where, you know, at home, doing a taste experiment is really fun too. obviously not making sure that, you know, everything is safe, but it's fascinating how much we can understand and how much opens for us when we, I, when we, um, I don't know, just talk through our senses, right. And you may not have the words to describe it, but your body remembers it and it pulls you into the place. And that's, so that's where I would start with sensory walks. They're simple and they're accessible to everyone. Yeah. And on that note, as a dog mom, sometimes those have to be alone walks (laughs) (laughs) because I'm too busy focusing on what are they getting into or or they're barking at the person walking by or whatever. So yeah, take them alone. (laughs) Yeah, totally. And you know, there's a whole nother experience I think that you have when you're walking an animal too, Mm -hmm. because they're going to you can watch through them as well, right? Because their senses are way more tuned than ours. You could almost use them as a guide or a beacon. And yeah, what are they getting into? You know, what are they looking at? But more from, you know, we have to make sure that our pets aren't getting to shenanigans and stuff. But (laughs) also like there's something interesting over there. Are they smelling it? Are they hearing it? Like, what is it that's drawing them? And how can I access that as well? That is true. That is true. I know they like to go down like, um, a wildlife and game trails like they smell bunnies and stuff like oh, oh. Yeah. and then it's it's trails that you know we wouldn't notice walking down our human trails but then there's this one little hole in the bushes and they find it <laughs> yeah they definitely have higher sense higher senses for sure our dogs are always liking to to roll in random places in the grass you know right yes. and then like there's nothing there but then you get closer and you realize oh my gosh like there's a, a life happened here and then yes. no longer or something, you know but, yes. but then that gives you another opportunity to have that you know the experience with them that I wouldn't I wouldn't pay attention to it so true so true yes it's either a lifeless something or you know <laughs> it, if it's in our yard here it's always bunny poop mm-hmm. <laughs> like okay that's cool <laughs> but it does it shows you what else when you're you know when you're in your house and you don't realize how much wildlife is walking through or uh, all the plants are being touched by other things until you come out and then your dog's like, Oh no, there was a rabbit here. There's some birds over here. There's all these things. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I wanted to ask you, what is your favorite season and why? Oh boy. Um, fall easily. Um, Mm. it is, it's the busiest time of year for us. I manage a three acre homestead with my parents. They live across the street and it's we have orchards and gardens and old trees and so it's really busy but it's for me it starts with the smell something about the smell of fall brings my body to a place that I know I've been before and it's home it's familiar it's um restful even though I'm very busy it's this intentional sort of busyness and you know oddly winter is not my favorite season (laughs) Um, and it comes right after it. And I kind of just want the fall to be extended, but I love, and it's, it's to do with the transitions of, you know, life. And there's something for me that feels really magical. I'm not an overtly spiritual person. Like I'm, I have my own personal spiritual practices and things like that, but I don't have any overarching belief systems, but I do feel in the fall that I can access something that feels beyond me more Mm -hmm than any any other time of year and there's a comfort in that for me that I just really really love and not to mention you know that it's it's beautiful to watch 
the land turn. I love watching the land yes. wake up in spring. Like that's exciting. It's fun, but it's muddy and it's cold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, and it's like, nothing is really here yet, you know, from like a land tending harvesting point of view, it's just a lot of work, but in the fall, yeah. you can go do that work and you can be munching on blackberries at the same time, or you can be looking up at the lamps, you know, the paintings in the trees and it just feels like there's so much vibrance and like life is expressing itself, you know, it's its last chance. And so it's got all of its colors on the table and it's expressing itself to its fullest and showing everything that can be, that it can be. And I just, I love the fall. Oh, I love that perception because I know most people just say, oh, the colors are because they're dying, but you're, you're saying the colors are because they're at full expression and that just that paradigm shift of fall is gorgeous. I love that. I wanted to touch a little bit on um, kitchen witchery. Tell mm. me what this is and how you practice. I am a super basic witch, <laughs> super basic, <laughs> like I think that um, a good cup of tea and a nice honey from your neighbor and, <laughs> you know, a, a hearty soup from things that you grew in your garden or that you forged from the land is the most powerful medicine. Through all of my herbal training and everything that I've done and all of the wonderful people that I've been able to study with, it always comes down to food at the end of the day. Like it always comes down to you know, I'm grateful for allopathic medicine. I'm glad that we have the things that we do to help us when we need them. And I'm grateful for herbal medicine in the way that it operates. But no matter what you do in those arenas, it still comes down to what you eat, right? What you put in your belly. Yeah. And so I feel like concentrating on, you know, magic in the kitchen. To me, a, to me, a pot of soup is a spell, you know, like one of the greatest spells. And it can be, it's so healing and nourishing. And it also just, it, I feel so much gratitude when I'm doing those things because I know the work that went into it. And I know the relationship either to the farmers that I'm getting the foods from, or even to like my checker at the, at the grocery store that, you know, I chatted up when I bought the thing or whatever, but it's always about like a relationship and feeding yourself, nourishing yourself in all the ways from inside out. And so kitchen witchery is that you don't need to make tinctures and you don't necessarily need to make salves. You can take a leaf and mash it up under a, you know, boiling water and put it on an algae and you're, you're going to be okay. <laughs> you know. And I think the simple, the simple, I always have this, these images in my head of like the sort of like cobblestone kitchens with the big cauldron and the wood fire and <laughs> yeah. the wooden table. This is not my life, but this is my <laughs> imagination. And I feel like there's just, there's a lot, again, it's kind of like restoring a lost art too, I think in the same way that the art of noticing and rewilding is like, I don't have any problem with the whole of herbal medicine or how you want to do, even if you're full witch and all of that, you know, in, in the ways that we typically think of that. Um, but I tend to be more uh, just basic and simple and, and um, there's a lot that can be healed and a lot that can be nourished from what we do in the kitchen. Yes. I love that. There is something special about watching that plant from, you know, seed to growth, harvesting, and then preparing and intaking that is like a full cycle. And I wish we had more room here to do it. Um, but I have 
I have, let's see, Rosemary, um, Lavender, and Mint, who has decided to take over the whole, <laughs> the whole box. <laughs> I think it's choking out the Rosemary, but I'm not sure. <laughs> and then we had tomatoes and yeah. So I just, I just wanted to be able to watch it from just tiny. And then I did prepare some stuff. <clears throat> oh, and basil. I did prepare some stuff um, fresh from our garden for once because I've always been in an apartment. I've, I've had tomatoes. So I've had like a plant here and there, but just being able to have it so tiny and then grow and mm. then be able to make a fresh meal about of it. It was amazing. And I know this is like <laughs> many people have already had this happen. <laughs> it's not like a huge deal, but for me in my, my tiny living, it was it was fantastic. And I felt good. And I think it also stems from, I used to be kind of a black thumb in the past mm. and just to be able to see, I brought this plant to fruition. It was happy enough to survive with me. Yeah. was a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That can be really, really empowering, but it is. And, and even, I think there is something really special about growing, you know, from seed to table and being able to have your whole experience. But I think that I, I think that you're, there's more of you, more like you than there are like me, you know, who necess not necessarily have had that seed to table experience. And I still think that a lot of kitchen witchery can be done just by intention, you know, mm -hmm. the, the way that you go about preparing your, your food mindfully, you know, the way, what, how, what you decide to purchase and where you decide to purchase it from, if you have the options to do so, if you cook with your, you know, grandmother's old pot or your neighbor's spoon that they gave you or something you know yes. I think there's so much that can be added to the idea of kitchen witchery that has there's everything to do with connection to the land to your community to the neighbors to you know to your family and there's a lot I think there's a lot of medicine in that there's a lot that gives us nourishment in that way beyond the constituents or the science that are, that's in the food and the herbs and the things like that and so I think when I think of it um it's definitely in that vein and again it's one of those things I feel like it's accessible you know all you just need is a pot in the grocery store <laughs> you know and anybody can figure something out but it's the intention I think that you put behind it when I was little um my grandma used to always sing over the soup pot mm -hmm. and they didn't have gardens or anything and like we were you know food bank kids and stuff and so we would get the box of things from the food bank and she put whatever in it to make it but it was that like singing and stirring over the soup pot that yeah. felt like magic for me and I think that's why it's such a huge part of what is medicine or you know witchery for me comes back to just claiming that power that we have to have intention over our food Yes, I love that. And and it's true. I think, <clears throat> excuse me, I think that we get caught up in like, oh, I have to make dinner. What's for dinner? Like all these things and like rush through these rituals that we're going through on a day to day basis. And we forget to put intention. We forget to say, you know, I, I went to the farmer's market and all the labor of love that the farmers, the local people or wherever you get your food, you know, put into growing this plant and my intention in feeding my family and providing for, well, I don't have a family. It's just me and my partner, <laughs> but that's my family. 
um, just the intention. And, and I think that part is often skipped out because we're in this like rat race of a life. You know, we only have so yeah. many hours for dinner and then we have to get on to other things. And so um, just, yeah, I love the singing in, in anything. If you don't know where to start to just have fun while you're mm-hmm. cooking and making dinner, put on tunes you love and just jam out because that that vibe that you're cooking with goes into your food, right? And so, totally. oh my gosh, yeah. I love yeah. that so much. So let's chat a little bit about what's coming up at this time of year, what people can look for during springtime and what we can forge for right now. Yeah, so the first thing that's coming up right now is dandelion. That's going to be a big one. And I feel like that for me is always the first plant that I, it, that pe- if people want to play with wild things to start with dandelion. It is such a panacea. It can do so many things for the body and it's so fun and delightful. It's super safe. You know, I, there are not contraindications that I know of. If you have, if you're taking medication, you know, from your doctor, you want to check in with those type of things, but for an average healthy person, you could eat all of the dandelion and it would oh, be wow. fine. Um, and so right now, my favorite thing to do this time of year is to make dandelion capers. And mm-hmm. so I'll take the little bitty buds of the flower before they open up. because They're, they're not going to open up probably for another two weeks um, and pickle them. Oh, so wow. Just like you would, you know, buy capers from the store, take those little buds and throw them in a little jar with some vinegar and, and some beer. I don't know if you like garlic and onions and that type of thing and leave them on your counter for a week or so. And then enjoy <laughs> oh my gosh that's it's cool so yeah they're delicious so that's a fun that's a fun thing to do um with dandelion and then the right now also the leaves of the dandelion are really yummy they get bitter the longer the season goes on but it's kind of like a bitter greens bitter so depending on your palate for that type of thing you know might you might be okay with it but right now they're really good they kind of mm. have like um an arugula bitter without the spice. So you could throw those in with like your salads or something like that. And the only, I guess I probably should say the only caution or disclaimer is to make sure that if you're going to pick dandelions that you know that they haven't been sprayed or anything. Yes. That's a big deal. <laughs> so if it's your, your own space or someone's space that, you know, um, but yeah, that's, I think that's the first plant that I would start people with. And then eventually there's all kinds of things you can do with the flowers. We make uh, pancake syrup every year with the flowers. My niece just came over to scope them out. She's going to make dandelion wine for the first time. She's never done Ooh. that. So that'll be a fun experiment for her. Um, yeah, it, it's such a forgiving plant. And generally speaking, it's just really good for digestion um, and like liver cleansing, which is a total springtime thing. And that's one of those things that goes back to like the kitchen witchery aspect, right? Like you can take a dandelion tincture or drink the root tea or whatever, but you can also just like eat the leaves (laughs) in your salad, you know, or you can make the capers and throw them in with, you know, your pork chops or whatever. And so there's other ways to consume that medicine that for me is a lot more fun than throwing back some really (laughs) yeah whatever (laughs) I mean that stuff has its place but like you know it's a it's a way to get in there and start doing that kitchen witchery and have the the experience of the relationship with the land and the thing one of the things I love about dandelions is that they they're the first 
the first thing that comes up, one of the very first things that comes up in the spring, and it's how the bees wake up, right? It's the mm. first thing that they taste when they come out. And it's, that's why they're so important to the landscape because they need that, that food right at the beginning when they've come out of the winter and the, you know, to have, to not have them there causes all kinds of problems and issues, you know? So it's such a, every time that I see the dandelions come, I know that that, I know that honey is on the way, right? Like it's all part of that big story and it's, it's more than just a simple little, a little weed that we step over and, and spray. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so important to think about the effects it has on everything else, everything else. Cause I, it's true. Most people just try to get rid of them, mow them out, you know, spray them, whatever, but they are there for a purpose and they have their own medicine to give. Very, very, very yeah. cool. I, I feel like I've had dandelion once and it was super, super bitter. So maybe it was the wrong time of the season. <laughs> I will try again because that is very intriguing. And I just love the way the leaves look like in a salad. Yeah. I don't know. That's kind of weird, but, <laughs> but they look pretty. They do. They're, they have their little teeth. That's the, the dandelion is the lion's teeth. So they have. Oh, I didn't know that. French. It's dentelion or something. I don't speak French, but it's basically <laughs> the lion's teeth. <laughs> oh, cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, because the little flowers, like the lion's mane and then yeah. the leaves. Yeah, definitely early. And I think if you um, if you took them, if you wanted to braise them or saute them in a little olive oil, that would help the bitter a little bit. You can also rinse them a few times. If you rinse them in a couple of changes of water, sometimes that can take some of the bitter out. But the younger and like, I don't know, softer you get them the less bitter they'll be they will be bitter and that's kind of their purpose is to sort of wake up your digestive system and help you start you know processing your food better so you don't want to you want to eat them bitter it's good for you (laughs) okay good to know Um, good to know but yeah they they can be especially as they get older and a little bit tougher okay we'll have to find a good place to go forage this weekend because that's amazing (laughs) And definitely try the keepers. They're my absolute favorite thing. Yeah. No, everyone that's ever made them has been like, how, where has this been all my life? So that, that is like a secret, a super secret, secret, awesome herbal yeah, recipe. I've never heard of that. <laughs> that does sound amazing. So you are the creator and author of the best-selling Herb Crafters Tarot deck. Amazing. <laughs> um, can you tell us a little bit about the deck? Like um, what were your inspirations behind? Obviously we've talked about a lot of the inspirations, but um, if you have like a favorite card, if that's possible. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> I, I don't, I think that's impossible. I think <laughs> <laughs> um, it, the, the idea for a botanical deck was my co-creator's idea it was Joanna Colbert's idea. And uh, she asked me to collaborate with her because she doesn't have any herbal background. And so we came up with the concepts together and she did the art and I did the sort of like structuring of the tarot part. And um, I think the, the best part for me was using my friends and family like as models, you know, there, there's not people in the deck, it's all focused on the plants, but we did use hands to highlight sort of the handicraft aspect of it in the court cards. And it was just really fun to go to my, 
you know, to go to my sister-in-law's house and have my niece sort of model all these kind of witchery. And like, we spent the day, you know, with all the crafts out and taking pictures and setting up scenes. And, um, and then of course my own, I have two daughters and, you know, they were constantly being asked to follow things, but that shows up in the cards for me. And it's more part of the story because it wasn't just a project that I had something to do with. It has, it's infused with all of the people in my life. And so Mm. I probably have a little bit more of a special place for the court cards just because they had that aspect to them. Um, I don't know if I could pick a single favorite. (laughs) I know that's kind of a lofty (laughs) question, but just curious. (laughs) Yeah, this is, this, this project feels like, for me, it feels like a culmination of like the last 10 years of the work of everything that I've done. Cause I am, I'm primarily a homemaker. I homeschool my kids and we, you know, take care of the homestead and stuff. And so there's not, I don't do, I don't do much outside of that. <laughs> That's what I do. That's a lot. And so um, to be able to focus on something like this and this grand, it was really, really cool. And to be able to uh, um, share all of the things we talked about that I love so much about living seasonally and living with nature and using the plants in such a simple, I feel like a simple and accessible way versus how you often see herbal medicine kind of disseminated Mm -hmm. and taking it back to, you know, the home, taking it back to the hearth and putting it back in the hands of people was really a a huge, um, that was an important message for me to put in there. And I'm really, really glad, like at this point, I'm kind of like, I don't know what to do (laughs) with the rest of my creativity because this, (laughs) it feels like, um, you know, it feels like a basket that gathered up all of the workshops and all of the e-courses and all of the teaching that I've done over the last 10 years and put it in this nice little package of 78 stories, basically, you know, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really, really proud of it. It's something that I will, yeah, I don't know. I I feel kind of embarrassed (laughs) talking about it, but I'm really, really proud of it. We worked really hard and it's not just, you know, the four years that we put into the deck. It's like, you know, a lifetime of just loving and learning with the land. And, you know, I think it came together pretty beautifully. (laughs) Yes. A labor of love for sure. Yeah. So where can we find the deck? Uh, you can get it from booksellers. Most booksellers have it, commercial booksellers, Amazon, of course. Um, we get requests every day from indie booksellers. So definitely check your local shops. And you can also get it from U.S. Games, which U.S. Games Inc., which is our publisher. They have um, a direct supply. And if you are a shop and you want to stock it in your shop, they will wholesale for you as well. Awesome. So we will leave links down there for you in the show notes on that. And then for people who want to get in contact with you, is that through Instagram or? Yeah, I have, I do have a website. I am, like I said, (laughs) I'm so out in, in the wild. I just forget to be present on all those things, but I am, there's a contact page on my website and on the Herb Crafters website, if you have any questions and then also Instagram. I do show up there occasionally. <laughs> but if you DM me there, it probably will be a while before I respond. <laughs> and that's why we ask. <laughs> cool. We'll leave a link to your websites down below as well. And 
Um, for the members, you're providing a seasonal recipe and ritual book that goes kind of is guided by the deck. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, uh, we wanted to sort of give something to folks who maybe don't have a lot of herbal experience or didn't know where to start with it. Our since Joanna has such a presence in the tarot community, our audience is very is largely tarot oriented versus maybe you know homesteading or herb crafting oriented, and so it's kind of just a way to engage with the plants in the cards each season. We've highlighted a few cards for each season for you to go deeper with. And there are recipes and um, honoring rituals and, and the art of noticing shows up in there, just ways for you to connect further with the land through the stories in the deck. It's really cool. I've, I've glanced through it a little bit. I'm super stoked to like print it out and make like a plant journal out of it because it looks amazing. And even just like the quick glance through, I went through, I already picked up on something that I had no idea about. I had no idea about the cottonwood star. And now I want to go like investigate that because that's amazing. (laughs) That is a, that's a revelation. I, every single person that finds those for the first time has that that childlike wonderment that we were talking yeah. about before. I was yeah. like, and is this real? <laughs> <laughs> she wouldn't lie to me. <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. They're hard to find sometimes, but yeah, the it's best when the plants have dried and the pith is not smushy. You know, if, if animals and things have walked on it, it'll, it'll mess up the shape. <laughs> okay. But yeah, yeah, there you, you, you'll find them just keep snapping those twigs and you'll find them. And that's another one actually, as far as like what's available for foraging right now is the cottonwood buds is now mm-hmm. not too much longer, maybe another three weeks or so they'll probably not, they'll turn into flowers <laughs> to everyone's misery, but um <laughs> Uh, yeah, making the cottonwood blood oil is something that we do every year around this time or a little bit earlier. That's a good adventure. So cool. Yes, so cool. Anything else you would like to add? I have, otherwise, I have two closing questions. No, I want to shoot. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So my first closing question is what makes you unique? Um, I think just the, in, the intentional way that we live our life. You know, we, I wouldn't say that we're super counterculture. We're not like overtly rebellious or anything, but, you know, we homestead and we homeschool. We're not a part of the typical everyday experience. And um, we're so, I'm, I feel so lucky, obviously, to have, to be able to have this choice and, and to make it. And, um, you know, we're, I've been doing, we've been doing this for 12 years now since since we first got pregnant (laughs) and um it's so much so that like I have to remind myself that there is another rhythm out there in the world that isn't isn't living this way and so I feel like that uniqueness has a lot to do with how we live intentionally with the land and the seasons yeah absolutely that is very unique I love it and the second question is, what lights you up? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, my girls, you know, that's the first, the first thing, watching them, watching them grow up. They're like teenagers. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I know. No, they're, you know, they just crossed over that, that threshold. And so 
and they're just they're great and so I love watching them just their becoming is fascinating to be able to experience the world through their eyes um and then I, I would say it's got to be nature right like the smells smell is a big one for me mm-hmm. I can sort of feel what my day is going to be like or what the month's going to be like based on what it smells like outside you know and so to be able to smell the blossoms and smell you know decay and smell the nectar and those are the kind of things that really just kind of um yeah they wake up my body and my creativity and make me want to get up every day Mm. What brilliant answers. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I inspire to have that connection. Yeah. I really, I know this urge to work with plants is really an urge to just be more connected. And that, that answer is beautiful. Very beautiful. Thank you so much for being here. You're amazing. (laughs) It wasn't as scary as I thought it was going to (laughs) be. Okay, good. I'm glad. Thank you so much, Kalia. This was really fun. Absolutely brilliant. Now I need to go outside. How about you? What golden nuggets did you get from today's episode? Hit me up on IG. You can also follow Letitia on IG and check out her deck at theherbcrafterstarot.com. All her links will be in the show notes below. You can also find her links in bio at lightabovesolitude.com slash guests and then look for Letitia's name. If you're part of the membership, be on the lookout for Letitia's Seasonal Recipes and Rituals book. It will be coming out very soon to your email and we would love to hear what you think. But until next time, get outside, explore, and connect with your surroundings. I love you. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Let me take this time to remind you, stop dimming your light. Stand brightly because the light is all around you. You do not need outside validation anymore. Embrace every aspect of you and start living truly authentic to your soul. Everything you want is in the light above solitude. If you love what you heard today and you feel called to support my work, you can now do so by buying me a coffee. A donation is never expected, but always greatly appreciated by me and my pack. Your support keeps the content flowing and my platforms as ad-free as possible. So head over to lightabovesolitude.com support. While you're there, check out all the ways we can connect further with details on my monthly membership, motivational text messages, and links to all my socials. You can even drop me a voicemail by clicking the mic icon in the lower right-hand corner. Until next time, friends, I love you.